Welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I am the DJ, and with me today is Buck. Hello. How's it going, Buck? I'm marvelous. Marvelous again. I love that. You love that word now. Um, it's a perfectly cromulent word. I've liked it for a long time. <laughs> it was made extra popular by the Twelfth Man and Richie Benno. Ugh. How marvelous. <laughs> And the other voice uh, you hear on the background is the prof- is my other co-host, the professor. Hello. So, fellas, uh, enjoying the enjoying the uh, second day of autumn. I'm sick of the rain. I want to do my washing this weekend. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. Hey, um, given that it's the second day of um, autumn, we've got a twenty-three nineteen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For those who are truly into their animated movies, Monsters Inc. twenty three nineteen Human Presence. <laughs> there was a sock involved in that, wasn't there? There was. Yes. Uh, with me today, I've got a very special guest for you guys. It's um, Sean Keenan, the director of comics to movies and creator of the comic book series XCT. With us. Okay, guys, how you going? Fantastic. Oh, very nice, very nice. Oh, what an episode today. We've got a uh, book review, uh, Mad Max book review. Oh, it looks, it, oh, I'm seeing uh, from the show notes, it's saying book review. If the show notes are wrong, who wrote them? Me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we got also Mad Max turning 40 and the PS5 VRAR. So, Bucky, you've got the um, first topic about the lady from the Black Lagoon. Yes, and it's not a book review. <laughs> so, get it right. <laughs> we'll slap you afterwards. Um, yeah, uh, one of the most amazing ladies in Hollywood history that never seemed to truly get the respect and accolades that she deserved. Um, There's a book being written about her, and I'm talking obviously about Millicent Patrick, for those who are unaware, who actually was the creator of The Creatures of the Black Lagoon in the special effects makeup. And she was the first female animator at Disney, and it was after her discovery by Universal's studio's head of makeup, Bud Westmore. So, yeah, we have a book. We, we've got a book that's um, a biography, which talks about all of the different bits and pieces she went through, and lots of personal anecdotes. And it's actually everything I've read on it so far has been amazing. Did you ever watch the movie, The Creature from the Black Lagoon? Yeah. Yeah, but wasn't there recently um one of the actresses from that movie um re- uh, passed away? Um, wait, I think it was um, give me a second, the creature from the Black Lagoon, Julie Adams. That's the one. I was just going to say we we spoke about this the other day, and just a couple of weeks ago we were discussing about it. Yeah, yeah, but and um, that's, yeah. It, it, the the truly sad thing with Millicent was like she was sexually harassed. Uh, and expected to sleep with the bosses to get a job and that sort of stuff, which she wasn't doing. Like she, so she was accused that that's the only reason why she was getting the job, because that was what was expected in those days, rather than just appreciating the, the level of skill. Yeah, it's, I know. It, do you reckon the industry's got? It's much more. It's it's not tough as as it was back in the day. Uh it's probably just as tough. It's just. There's laws protecting people from being forced to do disgusting things they don't want to. Yeah, uh, I don't know the Hollywood industry is it's it's a it really no I think it's an open secret that Hollywood is a cesspool for all the crazy things that goes behind uh, the scenes. A, it's not a secret; it's pretty open and honest about it. Yeah, they 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 admit themselves about how disgusting a place it is. 
Yeah, I'm just reading her bio. I'm reading um, Melissa's bio on Wikipedia. She was also an actress, yeah. um, which was really, which was very interesting. Like uh, a song is a song is born. She was uncredit. Most of the most of the roles were uncredited. Actually, pretty. Oh, she's got um, credits for like, Agent um, Brady McReynolds, um, Jabberwocky, and stuff like that. Like, there's she's pretty amazing with a lot of the stuff that she's done and yeah it's just like, this is a feminist slant on the hollywood history but it's it's one of the, one of those ladies that deserves a lot more credit than she received so yeah, it's nice to see that there's an author out there that's turned around when she was a as a teenager teenager was inspired by millicent and it was by millicent yeah um the book's by, Is she still alive? No, well, I haven't found out. I couldn't find that in my research. The book was written by Mallory O'Meara, who, as a teenager, she, after watching Creature from the Black Lagoon, was thrilled and inspired by the fact that the monster was designed by Millicent. So... She, um, unfortunately, Sean, she passed... She died in 24th of February, 1998. Uh, so, yeah, it's disappointing that uh, when it when it comes to light, it always seems to be after the fact. It's a little bit disappointing that sometimes these people aren't recognised in life, and it's only after afterwards that they they finally get some sort of recognition or have a spotlight shined on it, like this biography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was like because we were discussing the other week. Actually, this is one you'd probably enjoy. Who was what was that? Um... Comic was written by a woman. Um, give me a second. Uh, uh, scroll back through the. You, but yeah, we um actually had a comic, Sean. It was actually it was one of the very first comics, and it had a female hero, and that's the reason why it was scrapped because wow. it was considered too racy and challenging. Because of the fact that they actually had a female hero back in the day, because only like we're talking. About oh yeah, I, I know, I know who you're talking about. Um, Black Fury, also that's known it. as Miss Fury. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Was that yeah. just last week? No, no, that was a couple of weeks back. Um, that was a couple of weeks back. Yeah, there's there's so many amazing ladies that have just been overlooked and trashed because of the delicate egos of useless individuals. The crazy thing about it is, as as I said, that you're right that Hollywood's kind of the the whole. It's not compa- It's not tough, but it's not not as tough as it was back in the day. But you're right Actually, that no, there I are. Said it is. It is. T- oh well. Okay, my mistake. It's it's not as it, it is tough as as it was back in the day. But you have laws and protections of protecting people. And that's amazing. Like I think. Well, you've got the whole Me Too movement going on at the moment, which is showing the fact that up until like, up until now, it's there's still all this disgusting stupidity that's been going on. And especially when you talk about like some pretty big stars as well, like Uma Thurman, um, you know, uh, like that's they, they weren't just actresses that had never done anything. Like it's a yeah, a bit bit a uh, bit scary that. Um, yeah, you know, it happened to you know people that were pretty much getting towards the height of their their fame, and it was still happening to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were, oh. it's some of them are like it's just the whole situation is like as an uncle, like I can tell you right now, if my nieces ever copped any of this sort of stuff, or any of my friends ever had any hassles, I would absolutely destroy them. You just got to meet Bucky once to know not to mess with his family. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, but people shouldn't be treating anyone in this manner. And yeah, it's nice to see that there is some recognition coming out to help support these people. So it's just a bit of a shame, like you know, even with the the, the comic industry, that um, even here in Australia, sometimes there's a bit of that tall poppy syndrome. It's like you know, you get a small amount of success, and then everyone wants to bash you and knock you back back down type of thing rather than, you know, celebrating and, and, and uh, you know, trying to push you forward. They mm-hmm. want to they tear you back down type of thing. So um, I, I just think 
everyone could just just be a little bit nicer to one another, you know. And I don't think it takes that much effort to you know hear someone's side of the their story and whether you agree with them or not, and just be be a nicer person. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with you there. Yeah. I think I, I also agree with you, Sean, about the whole tall poppy syndrome. And in this day and age, that tall poppy, thanks to the internet, I think that whole tall poppy syndrome has kind of elevated to a whole new level in terms of you can get attacked on Twitter, Reddit, and uh, Facebook. <clears throat> well, gone are the days where you had to confront someone face to face. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the only two forms of or three forms of communication you used to have was either face-to-face, a telephone, or a letter. Yep. You know, type of thing. Now you can sit behind a keyboard, type something up, and it goes out to millions of people in a split second. Um, and there's, you know, still at the moment, I know there's laws coming in, but there's still really no ramifications for the amount of damage that you can do in such a short amount of time. Um, and, you know, and having a, a two and a half year old little girl, like I'm worried in five to six, seven, eight years, like, you know, how I protect her reputation, her, um, you know, her name and everything online when you know it can take someone else from her filming filming her or saying or catching her saying something or you know anything and then just uploading that and then you know it's up there for forever yeah and there's also the whole part about context as well like sometimes you might get like a you might take a picture like take a party shot and all of a sudden it it will be taken out of context immediately by people saying like oh what did you do here like oh it was and you have to explain yourself like it was just a prank it was just uh, i didn't it but wasn't no, it doesn't work anymore um in america or yeah, panama city beach in florida um police actually charge to 12 year old middle school students with cyber stalking and so forth and i believe they were charged that's it they can it's a charge as an adult um oh. after a suicide. Oh wow! Do, so, yeah. Um, after was t- I just found the story here. Twelve-year-old um, Gabriella Green, known, known as Gabby, was found unresponsive at her home and pronounced dead at hospital. And the police, during their investigation, found out that she was being cyberbullied, and oh, they yeah. went through, looked at everything, and yeah, they've charged two two twelve-year-olds. Sure. And that's something that's, it's not a, like, the, this, I, I have, can't say anything here about sentencing, but that's like a possible 25 year to life sort of sentencing, I think. So they'll be in jail as adults. So it'll be on their record for the rest of their life. Yeah. Uh, I think we, uh, I think Australia had a certain incident as well in, in uh, terms of cyberbullying, as mm-hmm. I recall. I think, um, what was it? There was more, uh, I think 12 year old as well. Um, and I think this was, I think this happened in New South Wales where some girl was harassed so badly to the point where she took her own life. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, the premier at the time said, okay, we're going to introduce some cyberbullying premier, laws. Premier. Oh, my mistake. The it premier. The release of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> the premier, the premier said, um, we're going to introduce, do some new laws, some tougher cyber cyberbullying laws, so it will never happen again. But getting back on topic, um, yeah, um, the name of the book is "The Lady from the Black Lagoon: um, Hollywood Monsters and the Lost Legacy of Millicent Patrick." Um, everything I've seen from this, and I've been able to read about it so far, has been absolutely amazing. Um, it's Four point five six out of five stars on Goodreads, with and that's with seventy three ratings, forty two reviews, some of whom I've gotten good reviews from before and I've enjoyed the books. And it's seventeen seventeen dollars seventy on Amazon for the hardcover. So I would it, it's one of it's listed as being one of the most anticipated books of two thousand and nineteen. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend getting hold of it and chasing, chasing after it. 
Nice, nice. Read, read some of the history that's not acknowledged and learn about an amazing lady that helped make one of the most iconic movies of all time. Nice. Okay, um, moving along. Um, so next, next topic is mine, and it's Mad Max's 40th birthday. Woohoo! Man, I feel so old. So now they're going to make middle-aged Max. I thought Tom Hardy was middle-aged Max. No, no, no. Mel Gibson was middle-aged Max. Yeah, Tom Hardy's pretty young, isn't he? The thing I like is that you guys have heard the story about how Mel Gibson got the role of Mad Max. No. I have, but tell it to us again. He was accompanying his friend who was also, who actually also appeared in Mad Max, um, to the audition. And they'd been, they were out partying and drinking all night. And Mel Gibson was beat up and hung over. And he was just trying to sleep in the waiting room. And the casting director saw him and goes, we want you. And so he <laughs> went in and read, read a little bit off the script and that was it. That was pretty quick. <laughs> One heck of an audition. Um, it, especially when you consider the fact he wasn't even originally meant to be there and he hadn't <laughs> been booked in for it. So, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to find the name of the guy who's with at the time. Um, Maybe I should have turned up drunk to my job interviews. <laughs> in this day and age? <laughs> I think it was um, Steve Bisley or someone like that. It might have been. Um, but, yeah, like they, they, they'd been out drinking the night before and got into a punch-up in the pub. And <laughs> as typical Aussie blokes did back those days. And, yeah, that, um, he, he's shot to stardom around the world based on that. Ah, but yeah, um, a lot of so, so a lot of Mad Max fans have been tra- have travelled more than sixteen thousand kilometers from northeast Pennsylvania in the United States to visit the place where Mad Max was filmed. Uh, the Pilgrim, so it's at Central Victoria. Mm-hmm. And to quote one person that um that's travelled there, uh, to quote when the film when the movie came to our country in nineteen seventy nine, I. Just simply fell in love with the country, the cars, and the culture. So I just started reading about your country, fell in love with it, and I said, I have to go. Mm-hmm. Although looking at some of the pictures in this article, I think they got some of the stuff from Thunderdome here. Uh, but it was, I, don't, I don't know, Mad Max, it, I know it's amazing how Mad Max, till this day, has a lot of, um, has given an impact till this day. But it was such an amazing movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of my friends, um, he actually uh, works with a lot of the guys that were in the original Mad Max film. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just uh, added a, a link there to the, the Kickstarter that he had ran not that long ago about a um, Mad Max fan magazine. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a cool bunch of collectibles, uh, brand new um artwork for it and everything like that. It's got all different interviews about the the um you know behind the scenes from actual people that were in the in the films and all that type of stuff. So I'm not sure whether you can still get your hands from it from him, but um if you're a Mad Max fan, um, you know, that's a, a pretty cool uh pretty cool thing to have in your collection. That would be. Oh uh, okay. Qu- got a question for you. Which one was your favourite Mad Max movies? Beyond the Thunderdome. Thunderdome? Um, Road Warrior. Ooh. So I think that's number two's names, but yeah. Yeah. Like number number one and number two, you, you can watch them back to back and they're great movies. Beyond Thunderdome, it was all right. I, 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 yeah, I enjoyed the first two more though. Yeah, that, that launched T- Tina Turner even more. Beyond, Thunder, Beyond Thunderdome. Pardon? What? She was massive before that. Like, that's that's as bad as... I mean, I, I've told you the story about someone saying, oh, yeah, that poor McCartney guy's career is going to take off. Now he's done a song with Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've just done the exact same thing. Like, I'm sorry, but... I don't know. Like, I, I, I mean, after Tina... Okay, I mean, Tina Turner after, after Thunderdome, a lot of people will still remember her, her as she's the, she's the lady from Beyond Thunderdome. I mean... Okay, simply the... No, no. no more people remember no. her as from um, Ike and Tina Turner. Um, yeah. Yeah, have you heard the song Nutbush City Limits? Proud hey. Mary. 
Um, I could I could keep going, but the more I do, the more it's embarrassing it's going to be for you. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Professor? What's your favorite uh, Mad Max movie? A tie between Road Warrior and Fury Road. Oh, nice. Mine would just be Fury Road because that's the only Mad Max movie I've seen so far. And I will say Fury Road, that that blew me away. If you want, if you go watch the first ones, you'll you'll change you'll understand the reason why I'm iffy about Fury Road and I, I don't actually classify this as a Mad Max movie. Yeah, alright. Alright. I'll take it I'll take your word for it. I'm, I might go I might check them out. I might check them out. Although I will say um with Fury Road, um I saw the the movie version and I've seen the black and white edition. And I will say the black and well, it's not really called the black and white edition. They call it the black and chrome edition. It looks really nice, black and chrome. Mm-hmm. It's basically just converted to black and white, though, isn't it? Yeah, but it's yeah. still a very impressive movie, and it's, oh, it's an impressive movie. Still works even without uh, without dialogue and in black and white. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not attacking the movie. It's just I don't. It's just not a Mad Max movie. It's Mad Max, but it's not truly a Mad Max movie. It just yeah, there's just a polar shift, and it's just not quite the same. Yeah, imagine game game that um oh. George Miller's caught up in this legal stuff with Warner Brothers, so he can't make the fifth movie. Mm-hmm. Wait, I thought he said um I'm I'm reading an article here saying that he Miller reaffirmed reaffirmed his intent to continue the franchise after reports to the contrary surfaced following an interview in 2016. Oh yeah, he wants to keep doing it, but um. He's had so much trouble with um with Warner Brothers that I think that's probably delayed it a fair bit. Yeah, yeah. We reckon. Uh, so you reckon Tom Hardy should continue his work as Ma- as uh, Max? Well, you can't get Mel Gibson to do it anymore. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I could actually picture Mel Gibson as an old man Max because oh. if you after because at the end of Thunderdome he's already an old man. Oh yeah, he's not as old as I was thinking. And it started off where he was, I don't know, it was supposed to be in his late 20s, early 30s or something in the in the first one. I'd prefer to see um, Mel Gibson come back. Yeah. And they've got to do, I don't know how they would manage it, but they've got to have the um, one of the most iconic scenes, which is the um, hand in the chain hanging off the back of a vehicle, which was from movie number one. Okay. Hmm. Uh, the interesting part with um, Mad Max: The Fury Road was also Charlie Theron. Like Charlie Theron in that ro- in that movie, she was great in that movie. She played a good role. Uh, yeah, but it's still not a Mad Max movie. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see. It's just one of those things. I'm sorry. It's just you're not sold on the idea, are you? It's just. It just. It's just not there it's not truly a mad max movie it's a post-apocalyptic world and everything yeah and there's cars and it's kind of beyond thunderdome but it's not the same as mad it's not truly mad max it's just it's missing that key quality that the first like especially for the first two and it was there in the third that was mad max and charlie throne almost stole the show in that that movie, the the movie ended up, I, f- I felt, being more about her and her redemption than it did about um, Mad Max's. Mm. Like, he, was, he was only a side character. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, yeah, I was, not a, I was not a huge fan of the, um, of the of Fury Road. I, I kind of just laughed in certain points. I, was, I thought it was a bit, you know, laughable. Um, yeah. I think I think they there's an article saying that there's actually only 180 lines of dialogue through the whole movie or something, something ridiculous like that. Like it was just yeah, lots of cars and visually spectacular more than more than an actual good story or movie. Mm. And and that's the thing with Mad Max one and two and Beyond Thunderdome. There was an actual proper storyline. There was lots of dialogue, and there was the cheeky Australian humour in it, and all that sort of stuff. That yep, it's just not there in in Fury Road. But Fury Road, it, it's a great movie, as I say. But it's just 
it doesn't have that quintessential Australian identity and the Mad Max um, bloodline. Like, even if it was... If they filmed it here again. Well, they couldn't because of the weather, apparently, so they had to film yeah. in South Africa. But uh, they, um, That was right after the 2011 floods. But there's so much other stuff that is just it just fails on because of like the characters and so forth just don't have the same nuances. Like um, you had like so much rich um, character out of all the, all the different characters that appeared, like even the kids in Thunderdome and so forth, they had, it was just, yeah, you, you sit there looking at it and you just go on. This is, yeah, this is typically an Australian. You could actually picture this happening in Australia. Fury Road, you're just looking at it and you're just going, what drugs were these people on? <laughs> yeah, well, I was just having a, that, that, um, that uh, look at that link that DJ's just put up with the dialogue. Max only had 63 lines of dialogue in the whole film. Um, Ferosa only had 80 lines, and the script came all in under 5,000 words. That's, that's, that's less than what uh, my high school projects. I've got assignments that have got more words than that. Oh, but I will say this besides the, um, the cut, they've also, um, some of the fans also um, rest- restored a couple of the old cast instead. Um, so, for example, well, one no, no, no. Oh, they might have restored some cars yeah. that are similar. Um, I, can't remember, I think it was in number. I can't remember whether it was from number one or number two. All the cars were supposed to be scrapped. It was number yeah. two because it was filmed at Broken Hill. And all the cars were supposed to be scrapped. And they took them to the scrapyard. And there was a couple of them that were in pretty much perfect nick. And the guy just looked at them and goes, yeah, I'll scrap them. <laughs> hell, I will. And so he he was actually just he, – he had one he was driving around. and But he had another one that he put in a shed and covered up. And yeah, it's again. That's such an Aussie thing to do, isn't it? It is. (laughs) Yeah, mate. Yeah, just leave with me. I'll get rid of it. No problem. (laughs) Garage. (laughs) Well, they were were amazing cars. Like they've got. Yeah, you got here. You're saying I'm looking at your pit that you're looking at, and it's um, they drove replicas because the Interceptor, as it was, was a car that was made especially for the movie, where they took. Fords and they put special engines in them and tune them up. So yeah, the yeah. Um, the big intake actually doesn't work. the uh, The effect they get with the fans spinning up when they want to go turbo mode and all that it's uh, just special effects. They just hooked up a fan to a switch. Yeah, which is a typically healthy thing to do. It doesn't do anything, mate. But it, oh, it looks real sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and. Wait, Mad Max is such an iconic film. Um, what's his name? Um, Quentin Tarantino saw Mad Max. Like he, he says a lot of his inspiration for his movies is based on Australian movies because he watched stuff like Mad Max, um, Razorback, stuff like that. And it was just like, these movies are cool. Like the, way he, the way he said it in um, an interview when he was looking at some of the stuff. Um, he was sitting in the cinema and he had an orgasm while watching Mad Max because it was the most amazing movie he's ever seen. The, the car Mike crashes, Winton. the 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 um, car crash scenes and stuff where I think it was um, what's his name Jeff Bisley or whatever his name was um, was end up in hospital. In real life, he ended up in hospital because the car like um, not it was it wasn't Beasley the but the stuntman who was driving the car. They rolled the car for real. Everything was going good, but then, yeah. And there's the scene where they drive through another vehicle and destroy stuff. It's literally the most insane amount of action. So you've got to watch all all of the first three movies in order, and, yeah, you will understand the reason why I'm getting excited. All right, um, moving along. Uh, the Professor, you have an topic about the ps5 and the, and its new additions such as vr and ar well you're reading a bit much into this again but um a developer from tazara studios who have made psvr games oh i'm so tired <laughs> uh, but anyway this developer has um 
is leaking that the PSVR, he thinks that the PSVR will be a main part of the PS5. Because uh, well, the PS4 came out and PSVR was added halfway through the life cycle. But now, um, now they'll be ready for a PSVR 2, which could be a launch feature. I'm not convinced they'll better. I fully expect it to end up like the Kinect. They'll be like, it'll be a launch feature. It'll come with every console and no one will buy the consoles that have it because it'll add an extra 300 bucks to the price. Uh... Why don't they just launch a PSVR on its own? Probably to push people into buying PS5. That comes yeah, out. it'd be like a bundle offer saying like, for the for the extra price of $50, you can have this PSVR. Like the Xbox but... Connect when that came out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. but I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, you could do the PS5, then you could also do a PlayStation Virtual Reality, which there's obviously a market that's growing for virtual reality, and it's going to going to give them the opportunity to do some pretty cool things. And the amount of gear, because you could have the gloves and as well as the helmet and so forth, so you could have proper VR instead of half-assed. Yep. Bring it in line with the PC VR, maybe yeah. convert to inside-out tracking, so um, or improve the uh, the base stations so that you can actually take the controllers behind your back and turn around 360. Yeah, a lot of people. What's interesting though is a lot of people are banking on the fact that VR is going to be the next biggest thing that's going to well, happen. It's something that's been getting looked forward to since before I was born. It's one of those science fiction things that everyone wants to eventually happen. The same as hologram technology. Um, It's just, it's exciting. And automatic doors. (laughs) The automatic doors, yes. (laughs) But they have to um, explain how pleased they are to function as doors for you every time you go through them. (laughs) Exactly. But do you reckon it will it will work out in the end though? When would you, could you see yourself? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Playing VR? Absolutely, but I don't think it's going to leave the enthusiast space for uh, quite a while. I think you'll probably end yeah. up with um, enthusiast home consoles. And I think the um, there's a couple of places in Brisbane that do it. But I think you'll see more, uh, I don't know what you call them, but VR centers where sort of like uh, internet cafes. Oh, yeah. Like, like the old games and, arcades. There'll be yeah. VR, VR arcades. Yeah, so you go and get in a booth with a VR kit and play games for a couple of hours. I've done that a couple of times with my mates. Oh, there you huh? go. See, it's already starting yeah, yeah, there's, there's, um There's several here in um, Victoria uh, or Melbourne. Um, but, yeah, I go to one in Carlton. Uh, so you go with uh, there's usually between three and four of us. Um, we all go into a game that's four-player. Um, so I can't even remember but what it was called, but it's like Elf Kingdom where you're all um, trying to defend a castle and you've got these hordes of orcs coming in and uh, you're continually having to, to pull your arms back as if you're, you're shooting uh, a bow and arrow and you have to duck and, and all that type of stuff. So, And it's a full three, 360 60 game. So, um, But, man, I, like after playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, um, if they did that, something like that in um, full 360 VR, oh my lord, man, I'd n- I'd never go to work again in my life. <laughs> oh, that's you. You are very enthusiastic there, Sean. Very, very oh, enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah. I was um I was a bit skeptical of VR, especially because I wear glasses and I don't don't really wear contacts. So I was wondering how that would work, but. 
I tell you what, some of these um, some of these centres, if you haven't been, um, get along. It's still a, a little bit expensive at the moment. It's about uh, about I think seventy or eighty dollars for an hour. Um, but it, it is a, it, it is quite fun. Like if you've got a, a bunch of mates that you can to can go along with, it uh, is almost you know better than like laser tag like you know it's like a virtual reality laser tag type thing you're all in there um against each other or, or fighting with each other back to back type of type of thing so just out of curiosity because he said it was at carlton and you went with a group of friends yeah that was because it was you you wanted to play with a group of friends or you needed a group of friends for safety while traveling around carlton <laughs> no, no, no. It was uh, right in uh, right in Chapel Street, so up the oh. up the nice end, not not uh, not too bad. So yeah, no. so where the where the Colton crew used to hang out. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Right, right across from <laughs> right. La Poqueta, where you know, um, Bells would hang out, and you know, all that. Just just so chilling. The centre of organised crime in Colton. Yeah, of um, course. <laughs> so, in other words, yes, you do need a group of friends to go with, just to make sure you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> so you can run from your car to the no. The thing is, if you're in VR, you don't know if someone's going to mug you. <laughs> that's, that's why it's on uh, the second floor, mate. So that uh, you know, the, you, you can hear them coming up the stairs. <laughs> but this is a this is Australia. Um, organized crime in Australia is like England. It's organized. It's not not American. <laughs> Uh, but he, the other interesting thing with this whole um, PS5 VR is everyone's really hyped toward the PS5 because I've heard a lot of interesting things with, um, with the PS5 in terms of um, it would be backwards compatible in terms of you can play the PS1, PS2, PS3, and the PS4 yeah. games, apparently. Yeah, but a couple the, of weeks ago, uh, they filed the patent for that. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. If they can get it running uh, decently well, it would be nice to have an official emulation solution and hopefully microsoft and xbox will not do the stupidity that they did when the ps4 was being released with all the legal shenanigans which actually backfired on them or the um the presentation at e3 where they're like we're gonna have connect always listening to you and you're not gonna be able to trade your games because we're gonna tie them to your account and then yeah. the next day uh, or the next show was sony announcing ps4 and saying we're totally not doing any of that. <laughs> yeah. Remember the um the old PS um, PlayStation Eye toy and how that was a thing. Yeah, that was a fun thing. <laughs> hey, I still remember playing on the original PlayStation for days at a time. I've still got one. Final Fantasy Eight. My fridge baby. out there. My fridge. What? Oh, Final, um, Final I'm Fantasy. I'm too tired. I just said my PlayStation took so up to my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> you you were saying there, um, Sean. Final Fantasy VIII, that, that was my uh, my jam on the PlayStation 1, so... Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm old. I can remember playing the the Nintendo, the Commodore yeah. 64 before that, you know, the original Batman game on, on the um, 64, and then you know, even the Atari, a bit of Pong before that. That's, uh, yeah, so... Do you remember playing the original what? Donkey Kong on the fold-open... Nintendo yes. handheld games. Handheld, yep. Um, and here we go, test of your age, because you said Pong, but do you remember playing um, Moon Buggy and Space Invader at the corner store when it was three games for 30 cents? No, I was the 40 cent game man, so I, I was Wonder Boy. Ah, yes. And I was Ghouls and Ghosts, and I was 40 cents. Yes. So uh, what was your first Atari? Uh, it was my um, it was my uh, auntie's boyfriend's at the time. So I can't, even, I can't even remember what games we had on that. So I must have been pretty young. Uh, I would have been about six, I reckon, maybe seven. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've uh, just been restoring <clears throat> a... 2600 from my from my mate over the last few days oh really yeah uh, I, I was a sucker i went out and bought all the um remodeled um uh you know super nintendos nintendo all that i was one of those suckers that went out and got <laughs> got them you know the just to have a walk down memory lane yeah oh man 
Can you? I, I bet you if I, I bet you you got you all have like old PlayStation One games and PlayStation Two games in the cupboard somewhere. No, I got rid of both of mine, so I've got uh, original Xbox. Um, but yeah, that's it. I actually sold uh, all. I had my a Sega Master System, Nintendo, PlayStation One, PlayStation Two. Sold all of all of that. The Commodore sixty four, the Atari. Yeah, so all I've got is a Xbox, Xbox One, and a PS three. I don't even think I've got a PS four now. PS three. Yeah, I um gave my original PlayStation to a mate of mine with the hundred and something games that I had for it uh, when I bought a PS two, um, and when I got a PS three, I actually traded in the PS two with all the games as it, when I bought it, and I've got the PS four now, and I gave the PS three to my brother for for him and the kids, and gave them all the games. So I kept all the uh, metal books and artwork, like any of the artwork stuff and extras that I had from that. But, yeah. Nice, nice. So I've only nice. got the one console and a laptop. <laughs> awesome. I, I have a PlayStation 2, 3, and a 4. I was tempted to get the PS4, but then I decided, yeah, I'm going to stick with my PlayStation 4 for now and wait for the P- PlayStation 5. You didn't get a PS4 because you had a PlayStation 4. Ah. You just said I was tempted to get the PlayStation 4. No, PlayStation, a PlayStation Pro. 4, uh, so. A PlayStation 4 Pro. I meant my mistake. Ah. <laughs> Come on, uh, DJ. Come on, mate. Anyways, uh, so we're log to our next to our next category. That is the games currently playing. And boy, we've been boy. Professor, me and Buck, we've been playing a very fun game. Oh, Apex wow. Legends. My God, that's a fun game. <clears throat> Although I'm upset because I can't shoot you. <laughs> I'm upset I can't shoot you hey, either. You know the um, uh, Gibraltar's airstrike? Friendly fire. <laughs> <laughs> He's found a way. <laughs> oh, dear God. You'll laugh. The, the latest game that I've played is Jedi Knight Academy, which was a free download with uh, Xbox Gold. So I was playing that the other night. Oh, that's an okay. old one, isn't it? Oldie but a goodie, mate. mate. Yep. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure if you do have the chance, you should you should check out um, Apex Legends. It's it's not Fortnite, but it's just addictive. It's as it's as addictive as Fortnite. How do you know you never played Fortnite? I played it once, and I just <laughs> I did once. A, I did for I I played one game of Fortnite, and I just went nah, screw this. I'm not playing it. it I just got lost in the in in the um in the atmosphere. I just couldn't play that at all. Well, so when you say the atmosphere, are you talking about all the language and so forth that got abandoned in China? The language, the um, the controls. There was no, there was no hints like what you get in Apex Legends, where there would be like hints on what to pick up and what um, what were the controls, where to go, and stuff like this. Like there's little, there were little subtle parts. There were, there were lots of people telling you where to go. <laughs> I meant to not in Fortnite though. In Fortnite, you don't even get that oh. at all. But yeah, uh, Fortnite is just a Fortnite. I don't know. It's it's. It, I think its days are numbered. Its days are getting numbered. Well, well especially like since it's been banned in China. <laughs> oh yeah, it's sure. Like two years old, and that's just what happens. The games that are two years old, mm-hmm. and especially when you lose more than fifty percent of your market share that are playing it. Yeah, all those Chinese hackers had to move over to PUBG. <laughs> <coughs> Not hackers, and PUBG was banned in China as well, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah, I think it was. <laughs> and they weren't hackers. They just had better computer systems. Remember? <laughs> the lady told us so. <laughs> oh, but, my God, it's it's a good multiplayer game. If Just to get, if you want yeah. some time passing, it's it's a good multiplayer game. And it's They weren't the same Chinese guys that were looking at our government files. It didn't take anything. <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, 
we're, we're not saying that it was, and we're not saying it wasn't. We <laughs> we we don't know because we don't want the Chinese coming into our homes in the middle of the night. <laughs> I have um, nothing negative to say about uh, Xi Jinping. <laughs> the, the Chinese are a lovely people. <laughs> oh, they they made some great food. <laughs> My brother's going over there soon. Maybe if I say enough nasty things, they'll kidnap him. <laughs> nah. I'll treat him really well so when he comes back, he's even meaner and nastier to you. <laughs> oh. Have you oh, watched any of those old Kung Fu movies? The guy he gets bullied is always the one who becomes the hero and beats up the big, the big bad guy. Oh, man. Uh, before we start another international incident with, uh, with, with the two governments, um... Yeah, we've got some shout-outs. Uh, so, 24th of February, 2019, congratulations to all the Oscar winners. Yay. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love the, I, I the enthusiasm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, some good movies were won, like Bohemian Rhapsody. Remy Malek won Best Actor for that. Okay. On them. It's a shout-out. Let's move on. <laughs> Professor, you want to say you want to say something yeah. about the Oscars being stolen? Yes, it was uh, 1923, I believe. Just trying to pull up the um, the link I had for it. But, uh, the Oscar, one of the Oscars was stolen. Um, Alice Brady, here it is. 1937. 1937. Yeah. Best actress in a supporting role for in Old Chicago. Uh, Alice Brady couldn't make it to the ceremony, so someone went there pretending to be her representative, picked up the Oscar, and then completely vanished. <laughs> so much for the term it got lost in transit what? Yeah. What? You, you never heard that term like uh, something got lost in transit yeah but it didn't yeah. get lost in transit it got stolen from under their noses <laughs> you're, you're, uh, you're, you're doing well tonight DJ <laughs> but we've got an article in the show notes of a couple of other uh, missing Oscar cases they're mm. not cheap to. Re- they're not cheap, are they? Just if if you if you lose an Oscar, it's not cheap, is it? Yeah, you can just get um, a ten dollar one from the Chinese theater, mate. Yeah. <laughs> cheap as <laughs> and better because it's probably even made in China. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Do they custom engrave your name into it? They, you can get whatever engraved to it. You can have like best porn performer. Uh, you know, whatever it, it, tickles your fancy. You are speaking from experience here, I see. <laughs> I say nothing. <laughs> I keep that in mind in case I ever go back to LA. <laughs> All right, so yeah, you walk in, I go, you're from Australia, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, 26th of February, 1935, the RADAR, um, which is an acronym for Radio Detection, Detection and Ranging, first demonstrated by Robert Watson Watt. And that was what? the key. What? <laughs> and that was, uh, and that's how the Allies won against the Germans in World War Two. No, it was the carrots. <laughs> and which is the inglorious bastards. Hey, the, the carrots. Um, it was the American for your eyesight. Was a uh, a propaganda campaign to yeah. conceal the radar, <laughs> and it was also the um. Well, actually, no, the the carrot thing was just to get people to eat carrots because they needed veggies, and because everything was on rations. Um, but it wasn't because that didn't win the war. It was the Americans and um, John Wayne and all those guys. They won the war single handedly every single time. That's the reason why they lost Vietnam because they didn't have John Wayne making Vietnam movies. Well, he made no, he made Singapore and Korea. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a reasonable interpretation of history. <laughs> it works for the Americans. They think Australia's part of Europe. <laughs> well, so does Europe. Well, we are in Eurovision. Eurovision. Oh, no. oh, don't get me started on that. Don't That's get me started. Good. But hey, don't pick on Eurovision. That's fun. And uh, Kate, Kate Miller Heike, go girl. QUT alumni. Woo! <laughs> Is that our entrant for this year? Yes. Cool. 
And I have to say that the snippet of performance that I saw looks as epically weird as a lot of the stuff that you see for Eurovision, so it's going to fit right in. That's good. No <laughs> more Guy Sebastian. I, Guy Sebastian didn't do too bad. His song I actually enjoyed. Yeah, he's a good than... singer, but, like, his performance, it was like, come on, man, like, do something cool. Like, you know, you hang around Lady Gaga and that. You, go, you can't think of anything better than just getting up and singing. Like, seriously. <laughs> it worked. He came second. He didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> I think that no was no the- prize for second, mate. That's what I'm telling my daughter. <laughs> oh, well, um, actually- no participation trophies here. We don't <laughs> let them inside this house. <laughs> yeah, but there's such a thing as a silver medal. But it's not as shiny yeah. as a gold one, so it doesn't. Yeah, always means you're second best, and my daughter's never going to be second best. Okay. <laughs> Spoken like a good father. Uh, anyways, 29th of February, 1504, Crafty Columbus plays a leap year trick. Many people born on February 29th curse, uh, born on February 29th curse their luck, but it can also bring luck and benefits as explorer Christopher Columbus demonstrated over 400 years ago. Do you know what the trick was? Enlighten me. Oh, you were just saying about it. Do you know what it was? Nope. <laughs> Um, it was actually a solar eclipse. So as he was coming into the island of the West Indies and J- Jamaica and all that, he was having problems, and it was a um, solar eclipse at the time, so he used that to scare them. Oh, yeah. I think of- yeah, Lu- Lunar eclipse, sorry, not solar eclipse, which occurred on Thursday, February 29th, 1504. <laughs> so, yeah, facing starvation. He came up with an ingenious plan, and, yeah, he told them that his Christian God was angry and stop and would stop them, the food and everything, because of his anger. And so That's he would so... make it. So, yeah. Oh, you were saying, Professor? That's literally the plot of a Tintin comic as well. Yes, I remember that, yeah. That's where they got the idea from. <laughs> it's also um, out of, um, what's his name, King Solomon's Minds. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've got some remembrances. Um, So 21st of February, 2019, uh, Stanley Donan, American film director and choreographer who most celebrated works are uh, are on the town in 1949 and Singing in the Rain, 1952, both of which starred Gene Kelly, who co-directed his other films include Royal Wedding in 1951, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, 1954, Funny Face, 1957, Indiscreet, 1958, and Charade, 1963. He died of heart failure at 94 in New York City. Uh, 21st of February, 2019, Peter Halston Thorkelson, or Peter Tork, was an American musician, composer, and actor, best known as the keyboard keyboardist and bass guitarist of The Monkees. He died from complications of a rare cancer known as the adenoid cystic carcinoma, a rare slow-growing form of head and neck cancer at 77 in Mansfield, Connecticut. Oh, man, I'm going to miss those monkey monkey songs now. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Oh, man. monkey around. (laughs) We're too busy singing. Oh, I'm going to miss those. I I just remember the old shows. You can still buy the DVDs and listen to the songs. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, he hasn't sang them for a while. You don't have to worry. About that. <laughs> oh no, uh, they were still doing. Um, they were still touring up until last year, at least. Oh really? Wow. Um, because there's him and um, uh, who was the drummer? Mike was that Mikey? They still nah, do shows Mikey around the, the place. No, that was Davey. Davey, sorry, yeah. But um. David but Bowie they, changed his name because he didn't want to be confused with Davy Jones of the Monkees. Probably. <laughs> but um, when they actually formed the, the Monkees, it was only um, Mikey who was the, was the only real proper musician who was actually successful at the time. And he wrote most of their songs. Yeah, the musical... So, and and they had the actor. Yeah, and the actor was Davy Jones, yeah. Man, I, I used to... Love the old um, monkey show they showed on Channel 9 years ago. It's been on that every was, channel. 
There, there is. Yeah, it's it was on ABC when I was growing up. Oh, okay. Channel seven and channel ten. Yeah, man. It's even been uh, on Prime TV for those that are listening in a regional area. Hmm. Uh, 25th of February, 2019, uh, Megan Olbach, American voice actress known for her extensive work with English dubbing. The actress worked with Funimation Animation for 13 years and brought her voice to dozens of titles. Most notable series, such as Evangelion 1.0, You Are Not Alone, One Piece, Fairy Tale, Attack on Titan, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, A Certain Magical Index, Princess Jellyfish, and many more. Died on 22nd of January 2019 with no known causes of death. So sad. And just came, this came in earlier today, but uh, an actress from Who's the Boss passed away today. Let me get the, let me get the article. It's um, someone Helford. She was, um, Alyssa Milano might remember. Oh, yeah, here we are. Catherine Hellman. She died at the age of 89. And she was uh, famous for for works in Who's the Boss and in Cars, the movie, as um, Lizzie. (sighs) So sad. Anyways, um, on to our next one, which is the birthdays. So we've got 26th of February, 1802, Victor Hugo, the French poet, novelist, and dramatist of the Romantic movement. Hugo is one of the greatest and best-known French writers. Outside France, his most famous works are Les Miserables, Les Miserables, in Les Miserables. 18, uh, my mistake, Les Miserables, eighteen sixty-two, and the Hunchback of Hunchback of Notre Dame, also in which French for Notre Dame de Paris, in eighteen thirty-one. Born in, and I'm gonna get butchered. I'm gonna butcher this name. Bessonon Dubes. Bessonon Dubes. Okay, there you have it. Twenty-sixth uh, of February, nineteen o eight. Tex Avery, American animator, director, cartoonist, and voice actor known for producing and directing animated cartoons during the golden age of American animation. His most significant work was for the Warner Brothers and Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer Studios, where he was crucial in the creation and evolution of famous animated characters such as Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, Elmer Fudd, Droopy, Screwy Squirrel, George and Junior, and Chili Willy. Born in Taylor, Texas. That's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, one of the less impressive Porky Pig impersonations I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Warner Brothers, if you're looking for a Porky Pig impersonator, you've got, you've got him. <clears throat> Are right, you coming uh, me into slavery now? <laughs> I don't know. 28th of February, 1901, Linus Pauling, American chemist, biochemist, peace activist, author, educator, and husband of American human rights activist, Eva Helen Pauling. He published more than 1,200 papers and books, of which about 850 dealt with scientific topics. Pauling was one of the most, one of the, was one of the founders of the field of quantum chemistry and molecular biology. In his later years, he promoted nuclear disarmament as well as orthomolecular medicine, megavitamin therapy, and dietary supplements. For his scientific work, Pauling was awarded the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1954. For his peace activism, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1962. That's, a, that's an achievement. That's an amazing achievement for winning two Nobel, two Nobel Prizes. Well, the prize and the peace prize, so two separate countries. You mean two separate awards? Yeah, but they're from two separate countries as well. The Nobel Prize and the Nobel Peace Prize are different organisations. Ah. Yep. Okay. One of them is awarded in Oslo. We've discussed this before, remember? Yeah, we did. We did. I just wanted to, initiate, just wanted to let the audience know. Uh, so he's, among, he's one of the four, four individuals to win more than one Nobel Prize. And, yeah, he's also one of the... One of the only people that has awarded two unshared Nobel Prizes, one of the only two to be awarded Nobel Prizes in different fields other than Mary Curie, born in Portland, Oregon. Quite an achievement. Yeah, he, he, got around. He, was, yeah. he was an amazingly epic person. Yeah. 
person. Yeah. Uh, now to the events of interest. 26th of February, 1616, Galileo Galilei is formally banned by the Roman Catholic Church for teaching or defending the view that the Earth orbits around the sun. Uh, so many... There, and I bet you right now he should... I wonder what's his view on Flat Earth. Well, he disproved Flat Earth. He said it was wrong <laughs> by saying the Earth orbits the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, 26th of February, 1952, Brit- Prime Minister Winston Churchill announces Great Britain has developed its own atomic bomb. Uh, 26th of February, 1949, Lady Luck 2, a B-50 superfortress, begins the non-stop flight around the world from Car- Carswell Air Force Base in Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas. Although they didn't do a very good job of it because they stayed fairly high up in the uh, northern latitudes. Mm-hmm. I reckon to count as going around the world, you need to do it closer to the equator. Yeah, uh, there hasn't there hasn't it's, been. Oh, well, oh. if you go to the the pole and take two steps away, then walk in a circle. You've walked around the world. <laughs> wow, that would be funny. <laughs> okay, that would be funny if that actually happened. Um, sure it. Dick Smith did it a number of years ago in a helicopter. He flew to the South Pole and. While he was down there, he did a couple of laps around the world. And finally, Dick Smith have because that's a hell of a dad joke. <laughs> I don't know, but I remember laughing at it at the time. <laughs> and finally, 29th of February 1940, Hattie McDaniel became the first African American woman to win an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in Gone with the Wind. The first Academy Award won by an African American entertainer, and she. And interestingly enough, she was she was immortalized in a thirty nine cent stamp with that same dress that she wore at the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, um, do you got anything anything else to add in, um, fellas, before we close the show? Um, actually, Sean, have you got anything new that you have, have in the works? Any new comics that you have got popping out or anything? Yeah, definitely. So at the moment, I've got our latest uh, issue in the XCT series up on Kickstarter. Um, So it's called XCT Breakout. Um, It's a 64-page graphic novel. So we've kind of moved away from single issues and we're just doing graphic novels now. Um, So we are looking to raise uh, about $4,000 to help with the printing printing costs. Um, So there's 18 days uh left or of that to go um so we're at 101 backers at the moment which is fantastic so yeah if anyone's interested in trying out a series uh, it's a great jumping on point if you haven't read up to this point because um uh it starts off a new new story arc so um yeah so we've got that uh we've got terra olympus uh since the last time i was on the phone we released terra olympus which was a sci-fi graphic novel so you can get that from our website at comics to movies.com.au um and yeah we'll just be heading to the the um supernova shows in in april with a bunch of new limited edition prints as well so been pretty busy in the uh in that off season so yeah awesome nice nice so you got is so you got a lot of stuff to work on awesome yeah, and I'll uh, hopefully have um, come back on closer. I'm going to San Diego Comic Con. I might have a little exclusive to to share with you guys uh, at a later date. Ooh, Ooh I'm so, I'm 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 really hyped for that. A- anything else, um, Buck Professor? Anything else? No. Nothing no. else. All right, that's the show for tonight. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, that's not canon.com uh, website. Uh, you can also find the mer- uh, some beautiful merch there, like coffee mugs, zippy cups, t-shirts. Zippy cups? Oh, the yes, sippy cups. What? Like travel mugs. Travel mugs you give sippy, sippy cups to babies. <laughs> I thought sippy... Oh, I'm thinking of something else. Are you uh, a baby, DJ? No. Because I'm pretty sure this podcast isn't rated suitable for babies. <laughs> uh, so you can also find us on Stitcher. You can also find us on Facebook at our Facebook page. 
You can also find, um, find us on Twitter at nAmalgamated. That is at nAmalgamated. Um, if you have if you have any questions or comments that you want to leave leave behind, send us an email at nerds.amalgamated at gmail.com. And from all of us, see you guys. Hey, Root. See you later, see guys. See Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.